Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Hey church, you are the Double Dippers, the Thursday night crew, so I want to let you know I'm in a country that I can't let you know exactly where I'm at, but I'm ministering to pastors from around the world. And so I want to thank you for your generosity as you are giving for the sake of the gospel. And tonight, one of our own special missionaries, John Bonner, all the way from Peru, he runs the Calvary Chapel Bible College there just outside of Cajamarca. He's got a special word to share with us, the Thursday night crew. Would you make him feel as welcome as you do me every single week? God bless you guys. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Chet, and thank you, Calvary Chapel South Bay. My nephew is here. (laughs) Hi, Albert. So, I'm here tonight because of a fish, but it was a Christian fish. I'll tell you about it in just a moment, but I want to tell you that I feel like I've come back home uh, today because I was raised, I spent uh, 15 years of my life, uh, anyone heard of a place called Lawndale? Yeah, And so I lived on 154th Street near Hawthorne Boulevard, and that's where I grew up at. And so I'm back in the South Bay, and I'm so thankful to be here. I remember riding my bike. Thank you. I remember riding my bike around um, King Harbor and uh, the Strand there around Palos Verdes coming through San Pedro. Uh, passing through Gardena, very close by here to the church. The church wasn't here at that time. And it's just like coming home. And as proof to you, well, here's my nephew. Uh, he's from this area, Albert Mendias. And then I want to introduce you to a great friend of mine I haven't seen for almost 50 years, Glenn Moore. Uh, stand up, Glenn, if you would. We went to high school together and... Uh, our team won two years CIF, isn't that right, Glenn? In Academy League. And uh, I had the honor of blocking as a guard for Glenn, who was a running back. And so uh, he was a high point running back. And so, uh, Glenn, I'm so glad to have you with us and, and uh, such a joy. So, yeah, I'm from here. I'm from Southern California. I'm from the South Bay. And uh, wanted to mention about that fish. You guys ready? So on my 16th birthday, I got a California driver's license. And um, <laughs> the picture, uh, it was me with a, uh, well, see, the day before I took my test, I went to the beach and got as tan as I could. But I was, I was really red. And I wore my Hawaiian shirt and my puka shell necklace and uh, took my picture after I got my Well, what does a 16-year-old with a California driver's license need? A car, that's right. So I asked my big brother, Larry, Larry, would you help me find a car? And he says, well, I have a friend who has a used car lot up in uh, Reseda. And so we went up there to to pick out a car. 
And as his car was coming to, uh, to park, I saw the car that I wanted. It was a 1973 yellow Vega station wagon. <laughs> and I knew that was the car that the Lord had chosen for me um, because the previous owner was a Christian. I knew that because there was a Christian decal of fish in the back window. And I thought, yeah, all Christians take care of their cars, so I'm going to buy that car. It must be an excellent car for me. So I bought that car, and um, at that time I was working at Delamo Mall uh, at a store that no longer exists. It's called Montgomery Wards. And I was parked in the employee parking lot, and a girl named Valerie came to the shoe department where I was working at, and she said, John, is that your Yellow Vega station wagon in the employee parking lot? And I said, well, yes, it is. And she said, well, I saw that you have a Christian fish in the back window. Are you a Christian? And I said, well, yes, I am. And, uh, and so she said, you know, my boyfriend and I are going to a Maranatha concert at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa on Saturday, would you like to go with us? And I said, well, what is a Maranatha concert? And she says, it's Christian rock and roll. And I loved rock and roll, and I thought, hey, why not? So I went to that concert and uh, walked in the doors, and I couldn't believe it because there were hippies uh, in all of the pews. They were sitting on the floor. They were worshiping God with their hands raised, and I had never seen anything like that. The hair on my arms stood up, might have been the air conditioning, but I think it was the Holy Spirit. And uh, I experienced something for the very first time that I'd never experienced before, true worship. And then they brought out the Word, and they started studying the Scriptures. And I thought, this is, this is something. I've never, I've never done this before. And I want to tell you, I was hooked. Um, I decided actually to move to Costa Mesa and move to about two blocks away from the church. And I was there every Monday night because Greg Laurie had, had a wonderful Bible study on Monday nights at that time and uh, just loved it. Tuesday night was the School of the Bible. That was great. The teachers were awesome. And Wednesday night was singles volleyball. And uh, that was important to me because there were some cute girls that were there at singles <laughs> volleyball. Thursday night, Pastor Chuck Smith had an in-depth study of uh, the Book of Romans, so I was there uh, for every study. And then Friday night, they had Maranatha movies, and then Saturday night was the Maranatha concerts. And then I was there uh, Sunday morning to hear Pastor Chuck, and then again on Sunday evening. And so I was there at the church every single day of the week. It was um, just a wonderful, wonderful time of formation, of growing in the Lord. It's all because of this fish on the back of a Yellow Vega station wagon. It was a beautiful Yellow Vega station wagon. Well, there at uh, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, I found out that they had a Bible school. So I enrolled in that Bible school, and I loved it. It was wonderful, and it became a part of my, my story. And... Uh, there at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, I was listening to Pastor Chuck speak about the end times. He was teaching from Matthew chapter 24. He was talking about the great tribulation and things that were going to happen at that time. And uh, he said, I really believe that the Lord is coming, and we need to prepare ourselves for his coming. And I got very upset with Pastor Chuck. And I was walking home, 
And uh, I pointed my fist to God, too. I was mad at God because I said, why are you coming now? Um, I have my whole life ahead of me. I, I want to get married. I want to have children. I want to have grandchildren. I want to build my house. I want to have a ski boat. I want all of these things. And uh, the Lord asked me a very important question. Who's the Lord of your life? And I said, you are. And he says, no. But Lord, when I was four years of age, I raised my hand in Sunday school and I, I committed my life to you then. He said, no, when you were four years of age, I became your savior. But you've never made me your Lord yet. He said, I need to have the reins of your life. I need to be the one who, who makes decisions for you. Are you willing to do that? And I was not willing to do that. I don't know if you remember, you old-timers, but there was a comet making a close pass of the earth. It was the comet Kahutek. People were wondering, could this be the end? Uh, Russia was threatening the United States. We were in the height of the Cold War. There was an uh, oil embargo, and so they weren't selling gasoline. Uh, Cars with odd-numbered plates could buy gasoline on odd-numbered days, and even-numbered plates would buy on even-numbered days. And I remember that I was out of gas, and I needed gas desperately, and I was pushing my car to the gas station there in Costa Mesa on Bristol Avenue, a Chevron station, and uh, it was hot. I was sweating. Didn't have gas in the car. There's a long line of cars, and finally made it up to car number two, and the Lord twisted my arm, and he said, are you ready to give me the reins of your life? And I said, yes, because I realized that there are so many uncertainties in this world, and who but God who knows the future? And so uh, there on my steering wheel, I said, Jesus, I, I want to make you my Lord too. So we, I went home. And I thought, okay, if I'm a true Christian now, I have to do something. I have to grab this book and start reading it. So I went to Matthew chapter 1, and I thought, okay, I'm going to start reading the Bible. And so as I read, there was something from each page of the book of Matthew that ministered to my heart. He started by saying that the axe is at the root of the trees, and any tree that does not bear fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And I thought about my life. I had been a Christian since I was four but there was no visible fruit of my Christianity at all. You asked my closest friends, they probably didn't know that I was a believer. And so the Lord was telling me, you have to show fruit. And then he said, no man can serve two masters. You have to leave one and deny the other, or deny one and, 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 and follow the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon means money, it means wealth, it means riches. And that was my passion for so many years. I had a great com uh, job with the phone company. I was making lots of money, but as soon as I made it, I spent it very foolishly. And realized that money doesn't bring you much. For me, it brought a lot of, uh, a lot of worry and concern. I would lay at night in bed wondering where my money went and how to invest my money, and, and I would work all day, and then at night I would be awake just thinking about money, money, money. Uh, 
But when the Lord ministered these scriptures to me, I began to understand that that money cannot be my God. Money does not satisfy. And so these are the things that the Lord began to minister to me. And he would... uh, He was showing me that I had to leave my job with the phone company and uh, to trust him and to live by faith. And there were some scriptures that say, do not worry about your life, about what you will wear or what you will eat. The Lord knows that you have need of these things. Look at the birds of the air. They They don't sow or reap. And look at the flowers of the field. They're beautiful. And God takes care of them. How much more will he take care of you as well? And so the Lord was revealing some things to me. And then I made it to chapter 28. And what does Matthew 28, verse 19 say? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I said, no, Lord, you're not sending me to Africa. I don't want to go to Africa. And uh, no, he wasn't sending me to Africa. But I found a, <clears throat> a bulletin there at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. I opened it up on Sunday morning, and I saw that they had a, a language school in Alamos, Sonora, Mexico. So I thought, I love tacos. I want to go to that school. <laughs> and uh, I had a girlfriend that was from Mexico at the time, and I thought, this is great. I can learn Spanish and talk to her family, and, and this is wonderful. So... <laughs> That was my introduction to the mission field. I got there, and the Lord would begin to reveal to me the spiritual gifts that he had given me, the gift of teaching. Uh, he gave me a pastoral gift as well. And uh, I was just amazed that uh, the Lord could equip me, who is little Johnny Bonner from Lawndale, California, uh, that the Lord wanted to give and equip these things. And so um, well, I went down there for... Uh, a couple of uh, semesters of language school, and that was uh, over 40 years ago. And so the Lord has, uh, has led me in different areas, and I want to share some of those with you tonight. But remember, it all started because of a fish on the back of a Yellow Vega station wagon. And the Lord uses those seemingly insignificant things in our lives as well. And so watch and see what the Lord wants to do. So I have a question. How do we listen to the Lord's voice? How do we know when he's leading us, especially to uh, serve on the mission field or to teach Sunday school or to um, teach a Bible class? And we want to be able to discern from the Lord. It's not by chance. It's not um, by accident. But God has a plan. He has purpose in our lives. So question for you. In the Old Testament, what were some of the ways that the Lord spoke? Uh, In Hebrews chapter 1, it says, In times past, in various ways, the Lord spoke through the prophets, but, and we'll talk about the but in a moment, what are some of those ways? I'm thinking of what Psalm chapter 19, verse 1 says. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The stars and the planets can speak and they can reveal God's word to us. Uh, I'm thinking about the prophets from the Old Testament, how they spoke and revealed to men uh, God's plan and purpose in their lives. The Lord also spoke through dreams, and he spoke through visions in Old Testament times. 
And he promises to do the same in our lives. He says, young men will have visions and old men will dream dreams. I think that gives me a license to sleep. (laughs) How else did he speak? I'm remembering about the time that he led Moses to the desert and there was a bush that was on fire and a voice came out of the bush that wasn't being consumed and the Lord spoke to Moses and he gave him direction to free his people of Israel from bondage in Egypt. There was a time where God wrote on the wall there in Babylon and the king of Babylon saw the handwriting and he trembled. God revealed his will to this very pagan king. And so God speaks in very different ways, sometimes through appearances of angels too, the Lord has spoken. And so our God, we find out, he speaks, he has a lot to say, and he expects us to pay attention. And I really believe that he speaks to us all the time, but the question is, are we listening, or are we always on our cell phones? Are we with ear pods in our, or I, what are they? Airpods, yeah, in our ears. Uh, sometimes we don't take the time to listen to what it is that the Lord wants to tell us. And so... How does he speak to us today? I've never had an angel appear to me. Have you ever had a donkey talk to you like Balaam did? No, I haven't either. An angel hasn't appeared to me. I haven't seen a burning bush either. But how does the Lord usually speak to us today? I want to share with you four ways in which he speaks to us. If you want to write them down. He speaks to us, number one, he spoke to the prophet Elijah through a still, small voice. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, and he promises to speak to you. He promises to guide you. He promises to teach you. And we need to listen and be obedient to those things that he wants to say to us. Again, we need to keep, get the distractions away from us to be able to listen to what it is the Lord wants to say. So he speaks to us. Uh, through that still, small voice. I remember he took Elijah. The Lord wanted to speak to him. Elijah was looking forward to speaking to him, and there was a, a mighty rushing wind, a tornado that was coming through the area, and rocks were flying every place, and Elijah thought, this is pretty neat. I'm sure the Lord is going to speak to me from out of the wind, but he didn't speak in the wind, in the whirlwind. And then there was a fire And the Lord didn't speak to him through the fire. There was an earthquake, and the Lord didn't speak to him through the earthquake either. When was it, believers, that the Lord spoke to Elijah the prophet? In that still, small voice in his heart. Have you experienced that? Mm -hmm. Many times the Holy Spirit will tell you, go and speak to this person, minister to them, pray with them. Many times the Holy Spirit will ask you to serve the Lord in some way. And we need to be listening, attentive, we need to be obedient to his voice when he speaks to us. And so this is one of the ways that the Lord speaks to us. The second way that I want to point out to you is through godly mentors. And before we go on to godly mentors, I wanted to mention uh, an example of how uh, the Lord spoke to me on one occasion. I was in Mexico at that language school. I decided to... uh, be a real missionary and tough it out and make it through Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year. And when the 
semester ended, then I would go home and see my parents and my brothers and sisters. But uh, I made it through Thanksgiving okay. I miss mom's turkey, but, but I made it. I'm a real missionary. But as Christmas came, I felt this still small voice in my heart telling me, go home. And I had an argument with the Lord. Have you ever had an argument with the Lord? I said, no, Lord. I'm here. I'm going to be a real missionary. I'm going to be tough. I'm going to stick it out. And he says, no, I want you to go home. And I said, no. And he said, you're going home. And I said, okay, listen, if I go to Frank, the director of the school, and I ask him if it's okay to go home, and he says, yes, then I will go. But if there's any hesitation on his part, I'm not going. So I knocked on Frank's door, and he opened the door, Juanito. And I said, uh, Frank, what would you think if I went home for Christmas? And he said, I think that's a great idea. We're not going to have classes during that time, so go ahead and go. And that's uh, great. But I saw his smile turn into a worried frown, and I realized, or he said something. He said, John, I wish you would have made up this, your mind to do this several days ago, because right now all of the schools in Mexico are on break for Christmas. That means all the young people are going home. I don't think you're going to be able to find a bus to take you back to the border in time for Christmas. And I said, well, uh, can I take my chance? And he said, yeah, but pack a big lunch. So I went to the bus station in Navajoa, and sure enough, it was packed. Frank was right, and I waited in that long line, and I think, I'm not going to make it home for Christmas. But I went to the counter, and I asked for a ticket to Tijuana, and the lady said, uh, okay, we have a bus that's leaving right now, and in fact, you need to run and catch it because it's about to pull out. So I ran and jumped on that bus, and the bus trip is usually um, 24 hours or more, but I was surprised the next morning. I saw the sign that said Tijuana, 56 kilometers away. And I thought, how could that happen? Um, it must have been like a freeway flyer, a special bus that took me straight to the border. Didn't make the normal stops that usually eat up the time. So I got to the Tijuana bus station, and I thought, I don't know if I'll be able to get a bus to L.A., but I went to the counter, and the lady said, you better hurry because your bus is about to leave. <laughs> so I ran and jumped on that bus, made it to Los Angeles. A friend gave me a ride to my parents' house. They weren't expecting me, and I knocked on the door. Dad opened the door, and he said, John, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be in Mexico. And I said, yeah, but the Lord gave me this opportunity to come home to be with you and Mom for Christmas. And we talked for a couple of hours. But my dad had a motor um, uh, model train store, on Hawthorne Boulevard, and uh, he had to go to work, and uh, he said, but let's surprise mom and pick her up after she gets off work. You'll be hitchhiking along the boulevard, and then uh, I'll come by and pick you up. (laughs) So that was our plan, but that plan never happened, and I got a call that uh, my father had been shot at his store. Someone went in and pulled a gun, asked him for his money, and shot him. They took him to Hawthorne Memorial Hospital, and uh, they allowed me into the emergency room. I was the only one. None of my brothers and sisters 
were close, but uh, I was in the area, and I listened to the doctors determine what they were going to do, and uh, I grabbed my father's hand, and his eyes were moist, and mine were teary-eyed as well, and, and he said, John, I want you to know something. If I don't make it through this, I'll be waiting at home for you in heaven. And uh, he died two days later. But I can't be angry and bitter as some people are when something like that happens because I was supposed to be in Mexico. I was not supposed to be at home. And for some reason, well, the Lord, he had me home. He got me back on two freeway flyers in time to be with my dad for his final hours of life. And I am so grateful to the Lord that he gave me that opportunity. How can we be bitter with God when we see him at work, even in the difficult situations in our lives? If you remember, Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, all things work together for good for those who love God and are the called according to his purposes. And so we can see God at work in the difficult times in our lives. I am so glad that the Lord spoke to me. And I didn't want to go home. I wanted to be disobedient, but the Lord said, no, I want you to go. What is the second way that the Lord speaks to us? It's through godly mentors, pastors, Bible teachers, spiritual gifted men, spiritually gifted men and women that the Lord puts into our lives. And so you are blessed to have Pastor Chet. And Pastor... The other... The other pastors that are on staff here, they will teach you God's word, and many times through a Bible study, through a sermon, through uh, something you might even hear on the radio, the Lord will speak to you, and he'll give you direction in your life. And I want to talk about spiritual gifts. I believe that the Lord has given every believer a spiritual gift when he accepts Jesus into his life and when uh, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And so spiritual gifts like teaching and ministry and service and generosity, giving, uh, there are so many spiritual gifts. There's over 20 spiritual gifts, and I really believe each believer has a gift or a series of gifts that points them in the direction of their ministry. And so I want to challenge everyone today, discover what your spiritual gift is. You can find the list in Romans chapter 12, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in Ephesians chapter 4, you can go through and see the different spiritual gifts and say, this is what I believe that the Lord has given me and he's called me to this ministry. When you discover your gift, you discover your area of ministry as well. You discover your calling. And this is what we all want to do. So God will put people in your lives that you can share with and they can give you direction many times. And so the Lord uses these mentors that he puts into our lives. What is the third way that he speaks to us? Well, I believe that he speaks to us through circumstances, godly orchestrated circumstances or what we would call open and closed doors. He'll open a door for you. He'll close a door for you. I'm thinking of Paul when he was on one of his missionary journeys. He was going through Asia Minor, wanted to go into Asia But it says that the Spirit would not allow him to go into Asia. He wanted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit would not allow him to go there either. And I'm sure Paul scratched his head and he was thinking, where should I go? What do I do? And the Lord gave him a vision of a man over in Macedonia begging him to come to see him. 
And so Paul took a step of faith, went to Macedonia as part of his fruitful ministry there in, um, in, uh, in that part of the world. In, uh, <laughs> yes. So the Lord will open and close doors for us. But I see something here. You know, we have a still small voice within us, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And there's a warning because sometimes we don't know if we're listening to the Holy Spirit or if we're listening to our own hearts. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked. And how do we know if it's truly the voice of the Lord or not? And godly mentors, they are people just like we are, sinners just like we are, and we can't always put our lives in the hand of the counsel of a man. God will use men and women in our lives to steer us in the right direction, but ultimately, um, we're just men. We're all flesh. We all make mistakes. Circumstances, the Lord will open and close doors, but will the enemy also put doors in our path that he wants us to go through? And we, sometimes we're very gullible and we go through those doors. And I don't think any of these three are the best way. I think the very, very best way is number four. Can you guess what it is? The Bible. Mm -hmm. The Bible is God's very word to us. It's a living book. It's alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's better than the encyclopedia. It's better than the internet. It's better than anything. It's God's holy word to us. My word is a lamp unto your feet, and it's a light unto your path. And Peter says we have the more sure word of prophecy. And so, yes, it's good to listen to the voice in your heart, and it's good to listen to your mentors, and it's good to see those open and closed doors. But you know what? The very, very best way is by reading your Bible. Allow the Lord to minister to you. Can I share another story with you? Yeah? yeah? So I was in Mexico. Things were going, going great. We had a Bible school there in Tehuacan, Puebla, Mexico. And uh, we had a language school together with the Bible school. We had lots of students. We were blessed. But one day, out of the blue, a pastor called me who had been supporting us. And he said, John, we love you and your family and we'll continue to pray for you. But we have some missionaries leaving or going out from our own church, and we feel like we need to redirect the funds we've been sending you to this family. And he says, I'm very sorry. And I said, you know what? Um, That's okay. When God guides, God provides. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't worry about it until I get the next phone call. It was from our church here in California, the church that had sent us out as missionaries. And The assistant pastor said, John, I'm very sorry, but I have some bad news. Uh, We're having some problems in the church. The pastor has fallen into sin. We're going to have to close the doors of the church. And those $350 we've been sending you every month, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to continue to send them to you. And I said, well, that's okay. When God guides, God provides. (laughs) And then I got a letter from Rosa who had been supporting us, and she said, John, I'm so excited, I'm going back to the mission field, but this means that I can no longer support you as a missionary, and I was thinking, oh. At that time, our son Jason was born, and we had the hospital bill to pay, the gynecologist, the pediatrician, the anesthesiologist, 
and we had to buy huggies for him. And so I asked the Lord, what is it that you want us to do? Do you want us to stay here, be tough, stick it out, watch your provision? <laughs> and then the IRS sent me a letter. Um, you owe back taxes. There are fines and penalties. There's interest you need to pay. But somebody told me missionaries don't pay taxes. No, missionaries do pay taxes. And so, Lord, what do we do? I opened my Bible to the book of Mark where I was reading in my devotional time, and I was in chapter 5, and I wrote, read down to verse 19. The question I had on my heart that day is, Lord, should we stay here and trust you, or should we go home and get a job and pay off our debts? And guess what Mark 5:19 says? Go home to your family and tell them what good things God has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. That verse leaped off the page of the Bible, and it went right into my heart, and the Lord showed me I was to go home. I was heartbroken. I loved Mexico. I loved the mission field. Things were going great, but the Lord was obviously financially closing that door. So... We drove all the way to Cottonwood, Arizona, where my mom was living in her one-bedroom apartment, and I knocked on the door, and I said, surprise, Mom, God led us home to be with you. (laughs) Well, we got an apartment right next door to hers, and uh, of course, we had to buy beds, and we had to buy a refrigerator, and we had to get a car, and, and our debt was increasing more and more and more. Well, it went up to 19000 dollars, and I thought, Lord, I'm never going to be able to pay this. And uh, you know, our heart was really on the mission field. We really wanted to go back to the mission field, but our pastor said, "You can't go back to the mission field until you pay off your debts." Well. The Lord gave me an idea for a book, and I published the book, and I made it available speaking at churches, and people really loved the book, and I taught people how to use the book through uh, on Sunday mornings and then made it available afterwards, and the people ran out, and, and um, one man meet, met me there, and he says, John, you said in your message that you wanted to go back to the mission field. Why aren't you on the mission field right now? And I said, well... Uh, we have some debt that our church says that we need to take care of before we go back to the mission field. And he pulled a card out of his pocket, and he handed it to me. And he said, call me tomorrow, and we'll talk about how to free you of this debt. And I went home and told my wife, and we both agreed, he's not going to pay off our debt for us when he finds out how much it is. And so I didn't call him the next day, nor the next day, or a week later. But the bank was calling us. We want our money. And so Pilar said, my wife, she said, why don't you just go ahead and call him? So I called him, and he said, John, I was waiting for your call. Um, I apologized. And he says, so how much debt are we talking about here? And I said, no, we have $19,000 in credit card debt. He says, okay, well, let me talk to my wife. We'll pray about it, and we'll get back to you. And I thought he would never get back to us. But he 
contacted me and he says, what we agreed to do is uh, over the next six months, uh, pay $3,500 towards your credit card debt so that here in six months you can go back to the mission field. The Lord did it, but I had a problem because our church didn't want us to go to the mission field until we had 85% of our monthly budget pledged to us. Our pastor told us to come up with a budget, so I went home and came up with a budget and gave it to him, and he laughed. He said, John, uh, go back and work on this again. You need to increase it. So I went back and worked on it again, and uh, we finally agreed to an amount, and I thought, no one's ever going to support us with that amount. And he says, well, until you get 85%, we're not going to send you, we're not going to let you to buy your tickets. So we sent out a letter to let people know we were going to the mission field that they could give through the church, and um, after a week, Uh, we had received 30% of our budget. After two weeks, we had received 60% of our budget. After three weeks, we received 110% of our budget. After four weeks, ah, (laughs) 150% of our budget. It was obvious that the Lord wanted us to go to the mission field. I just want to let you know that, um, guys, I can't read the clock. Is it finished? Am I supposed to stop here? (laughs) I have an hour left, thank you. (laughs) And Pastor Chet will never invite me back. (laughs) I just want to say that God is faithful. He is good. He is, uh, he's worthy of our trust. And to think back that, you know, it started with a fish on the back of a Yellow Vegas station wagon. I want to show you guys something. I don't know if you can see this or you remember these things. They're, uh, (laughs) connect the dots. And I have no idea what's on here, but, uh, you know, you start at dot number one, and you go to number two, and then you finish, and you go, oh, it's a chicken. <laughs> oh, I'm holding it upside down. <laughs> you know, that's, this is the way that I feel. I started here in the South Bay, and I've come home. <laughs> When I left the South Bay, I had no idea what the Lord wanted to do with my life. I, Glenn, I squeaked through high school. Isn't that right? I was terrible in Mrs. Montalvo's Spanish class. You too. <laughs> it was terrible. I didn't want to speak Spanish. But the Lord has blessed me with the gift of Spanish. And uh, he's good. He's brought me back home, and uh, he's connected the dots. I've come full circle. I'm with you guys. I love you, and I'm so glad to be here with you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I want to say thank you to you because of many things. First of all, you guys support us. Uh, When uh, Adonis came, she said, if I could tell you how you're ties and offerings support the work, um, we're a testimony of how faithful you have been for several years to support the work in Peru, and we just want to say thank you for that. You have sent teams down to us for which we are, are tremendously indebted to you. Many of you have gone to Peru and you've worked on our Bible college. Thank you for that. Uh, when I was here last year, 
a bunch of the brothers invited me to go to a Dodger game. I hadn't been to a Dodger game for over 40 years. I was so blessed to be a part of that. And so you guys have been involved, even though you didn't know it, in many ways in our lives. So I just want to say a special thank you. And we have something for you tonight, too. Um, I wrote a book called The Myth of Coincidence, and it commemorates 20, well, uh, it's going to be 25 years now in Peru. Uh, uh, we're starting our 25th year of ministry next uh, in October. And so it's my story, how the Lord has uh, provided for us and blessed us, and during times of tragedy, uh, the Lord has been there to uphold this. And so Pastor Chet asked me to make the, veil, the book available to you. So we have a copy for each one of you on the resource table as you leave. So I pray that it would be a blessing for you and that you would be encouraged. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.